Well, I am so honored to be speaking on Mother's Day, one of the greatest days of all the year. So we want to be sure and get things started right today by wishing all of our moms a very happy Mother's Day. Go ahead and do that right where you're at today, wherever you're sitting. Maybe you can lean over and say hi to your mom, say happy Mother's Day, give her a text, a phone call, or something. But moms, we sure do love you. I love my mom, and moms, we just love all of you, each and every one of you. And so happy Mother's Day again. Each of you are very wonderful, you're special, you're unique, and we are, we're just so, so very thankful for you. As a matter of fact, I've got great news for you today, and that great news is that no one compares to you. Absolutely nobody compares to you. You know, we're in a series called Great News, and again, the great news today is no one compares to you. In our men's group, we've been doing a men's group on Zoom called Overcome, The Overcoming Life, and our... Um, our topic in the last couple of weeks, a couple of weeks ago, we dealt with the topic of comparison. Now, as we went through this topic, I think most of the men came to the same conclusion um, and that this topic of comparison was really not for us men, that it was really much more for you ladies, uh, that it's you um, who struggle with this issue a, a lot more than we do. You know, it, it's pretty well uh, documented It's uh, that, that women are always comparing things, and there's all kinds of articles about it, and, and um, women, you, whether it's, whether it's your, your hairstyle, or it's your clothes, or those shopping deals, or or boyfriends, or, or husbands, or houses, or, or diets. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And of course, comparison among kids, well, that's just rampant among the ladies. So, so ladies, again, it, we just feel like um, that this matter, this, this comparison issue, is much more of an issue for you ladies than it is for, for us men. So, um, well, uh, you know, I, I will say that when we were talking in our group, about how that men don't really compare things, well, maybe except for a few things. Maybe we compare our favorite football team or, or our favorite sports team or, or cars. You know, we like to compare our cars or our Jeeps or our trucks or, or we, talk, uh, we compare, you know, maybe our jobs, what's going on with our jobs. We, we compare our, how much money we make. We compare the size of, of, of our boats or, or our trucks or whatever it is. Well, and of course, we always talk about comparing the size of the fish or the deer or whatever it was that we, we got. Um, well, I think you get the point. Men are also really, really caught up in comparison. As a matter of fact, everybody deals with comparison. It, it dates all the way back to the garden, and comparison is still alive and doing very well today. You know, a couple of uh, weeks ago, I was out on the back porch in our house, and I was playing catch with Jackson, my oldest grandson, and uh, I'd throw the ball, this little football, to Jackson, and he'd catch it, and he'd throw it back to me, and we were just having a good time, enjoying our time together, and, and, uh, and I said, Jackson, you're doing really good catching the ball. I repeated that a few times, and then after a couple of minutes, Jackson said, Pop, I really am catching the ball good, aren't I? I go, man, you're catching it really, really good. And so we kept tossing the ball back and forth to each other. And then in a few minutes, he stopped holding the ball. He said, 
Pop, now I really catch the ball good, don't I? I said, you really do catch it good. He said, I catch it a lot better than Noah. I said, you do catch it better than Noah. Well, Noah is a couple years younger than he is, so he does catch it a lot better than Noah does. But isn't it, isn't it amazing how early comparison really starts to creep in and to become a part of people's lives? How many times have you and I been at a place where we feel really good about everything that's going on in our life, where we're happy with our, our homes, we're happy with our clothes, we're happy with our lives, we're happy with our wives, we're happy with everything until maybe we get a glimpse of something else. Where we, we're sitting there in our, in our car, and man, that brand new shiny pickup truck pulls up beside of us, and all of a sudden, it looks so great that what we're in doesn't feel quite as good. Or we drive through that new neighborhood, and we see that there's something there that maybe we don't have or we would like, and, and somebody else gets the promotion, and somebody else's kid hits the home run, and somebody else loses the weight. Their diet, they stick on it. They do really good on their diet. It, it just seems like the opportunities for comparison, they just never, never end. And so if comparison is so prevalent in our world, in our society today, then let's answer the question today, what's wrong with comparison? Uh, Andy Stanley, a pastor in Atlanta, Georgia, a great church, great pastor, uh, has made famous a saying that says that the reason we struggle with comparison is because we all live in the land of Ur, E-R, Ur. He said, we live in this land of Ur because we're always thinking about the people who are richer or hipper or taller or prettier or smarter or skinnier or happier. And if you're a single person, the people that are married-er. <laughs> and then on the other side of the things we think about people that are maybe heavier or shorter, or poorer, or lesser. And what happens when we live in this land of comparison, and we're always thinking about the errs in either direction, we're either going to compare and end up feeling inferior, or we're going to compare and end up feeling superior. The problem is that neither honors God. And we sure want to honor God. So the problem with comparison is that there's absolutely no win in comparison. Let's get that into our hearts and our minds today. Nobody wins in comparison. Somebody always loses when comparison's going on. If you lose in comparison, then maybe inferiority kicks in and you begin to feel insecure and we begin to dislike who we are and dislike what our lives are all about. Maybe we begin to doubt our abilities or we begin to pull back from the purpose that God's given us in life. If you think that you're better than someone, maybe you're superior to them, then superiority kicks in. And superiority is a sure path to arrogance. We know that arrogance is an offense to God because arrogance is pride in action. Arrogance is a, is, it's an affront to God. Uh, this, this superiority, this inferiority, both of these things are displeasing to God. You see, the bottom line again is nobody wins in comparison. And God wants each and every one of us to win. Hey, hear that again today. God wants you to win. You see, the Bible is filled 
with examples of problems that arise and problems that exist because of comparison. One of the great uh, illustrations of this in Scripture is found in the book of John, chapter, tw- in verse, uh, chapter 21. Now, in the book of John, chapter 21, Jesus has already uh, been risen from the dead. He's alive. He's already come out of the tomb. He showed himself to the disciples. He's, he's made himself well known that he's alive, and he's getting ready to depart. Before he departs, though, he wants to have a special interaction with his disciples, and so he's got uh, his disciples together, and John's there, the writer of this gospel, and Peter's there, and, and he, he looks at Peter and says, hey, Peter, you denied me three times, but let me ask you a question. Do you love me? And he asks him that question three times. Do you really love me? Do you agape love me? And Peter's, Lord, you know I love you. You know I love you. And then in that moment, when Peter is confessing Jesus, an amazing event takes place. I believe Jesus takes a deep breath and he looks at Peter and he says, hey, Peter, I want to tell you something. Verse 18 says it like this. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and you walked where you wished. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken to this, he looked at Peter and said, Peter, follow me. Keep your eyes on me. So I hope we can grasp the the importance of what's taking place here. Jesus has just told Peter about his future. He's just told Peter that that you denied me because of of fear once, but you're not going to deny me again because you're going to go and you're going to be faithful even to death. Now, I, I don't know what was going on in Peter's heart and mind, but, but if it was me, I would have probably said, hey, Jesus, can we, well, let's talk about this, this taking me where I don't want to go and dying a horrible death. Maybe we can renegotiate or pray about this or pray and fast or do something. But while Peter's thinking about this, I can see Peter kind of gazing away. And as he gazes, his eyes fall on John. And so here's what John says. It says, then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also leaned on his breast at the supper and the one who said, this, who is the one who betrays you? Now now remember, that's John writing this. And Peter looking at him said to Jesus, what about this man? Do you you get the, (laughs) the, 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 the emphasis of comparison here? He says, I know, okay, I'm gonna die a bad death, but Jesus, at least tell me he's gonna die a bad death too. I don't want him to, you know, just go off and live in luxury. And Jesus confronts and he says this. He says, hey, listen, if John stays alive until I come back, what's that to you? You know what Jesus said there? He said, there's no place, zero tolerance for comparison because comparison gets our eyes off of God. And that's the second thing. Comparison gets our eyes off of God. Comparison gets our eyes off of God's goodness off of his kindness, off of his faithfulness, off of his love. You see, comparison hinders our trust in God. Basically, what Peter was saying there is, is Jesus, do you love John more than you love me? Jesus, are are we, if you're comparing us, are we the same? Am I better? Is he better? I mean, they had had that discussion before. Who's going to be greatest in the kingdom? Maybe there was a little rivalry there that went on among the disciples Jesus says, hey, that's not the way that we're going to live. You see, if we don't trust God, if we begin to, to, um, to, to not be able to put our confidence in somebody, maybe we begin to, to resent them. 
And so resentment towards God, uh, I, I don't like the way that you've made me. I, I don't like the, the gifts or the abilities or the, or the purpose or the direction that you have, the calling that you have on my life. Basically, what we're doing to God is we're saying, I want it my way. And this opens, this opens the work. This opens the door for the work of the enemy. James chapter three puts it like this. It says, but if you have bitter envy, Bitter envy, now I circled that word on my notes here. Bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts. Do not boast against and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but it's earthly, it's sensual, and it's demonic. For where envy, here it is again in, the, in this same section of scripture. And we've got to remember, envy is the root of comparison. So he says, where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are. It's wisdom that's demonic and it opens the door for every evil thing to operate in our life. You see, envy is the basis of comparison. The definition of envy is this. It says, a feeling of discontentment. See, envy is ingratitude. It's unthankfulness. It's saying to God, and maybe in some cases, it's even shaking our fist in the face of God and saying, I don't like the way you've made me. I don't like my life. I don't like my gifts. I don't um, like what you've given me. I want more. I want something different. I don't like the place that you've got me living. I don't like my life situation. And I certainly don't like, God, my position or my purpose in life. So one of the special, I think one of the quickest ways to kill something that's special is to compare it to something else. Your life is special. Your life is important. And every time we compare it to something else, we're killing, we're killing that, uh, that joy. We're killing that love for that life. And that's exactly what the devil wants. He wants to kill your joy. He wants to kill your uh, contentment. He wants to put resentment and envy and jealousy in comparison into your life at a deep level. You know, I remember, uh, I was thinking about this the other day, I was back in college, and um, it just shows I've got a good memory, right? So, uh, but I was in college, and um, I, had go I had worked really hard throughout this summer before I went back to college, and I, I bought this really nice car, for, it was nice for me, it was a, a 76 Cutlass Salon, and it was beautiful, and I kept it really clean, and I thought, man, this is going to be great, I'm going to be cruising uh, a campus, and as I'm cruising campus, uh, everybody's going to see how good of a car I've got, and, and man, I'm going to be special because of what I drive. Hey, like I said, I was, I was in college, you know? And I loved it. I loved the car. I loved the attention that it brought. But all of a sudden, I began to notice some other people had nicer cars. A good friend of mine, his parents had bought him an incredible brand new car. He didn't have to work for it. You know, after a while, I began to resent that thing that I loved. You see, one of the quickest ways to kill something special is to compare it to something else. Same thing, I, I had to work to go through college and I, I had a job at a grocery store and it really was a great job. I worked in a, in a deli at the Red Food Store and man, I got to all kinds of leftovers and got to bring food back to the, the house and because I was working, I could afford to live off campus and, and then all of a sudden I began to notice that while I was working, other people were getting out to go, able to go out and have fun and do special events and, and gather together and have, a, you know, fellowship or go on dates or whatever it was. 
And before I knew it, I began to resent and hate my job. You know, Proverbs chapter 14 puts it like this. It says, envy, envy is rottenness to the bones. If we allow envy into our lives, if we allow envy to manifest through comparison, it will bring rottenness, it, it will bring brokenness, it will bring death into our lives. And, and it, it happens to all of us. It, it, it's a challenge to happen to each and every one of us. You see, envy and jealousy, they're like a cancer. that want to eat away. They want to destroy your life. And it happens even in church. Uh, you know, people come to church and, and they love to sing and they love to worship and they, they love to serve. They, they, they just love being together with God's people. But all of a sudden, maybe their attention gets on somebody else and they see uh, that somebody else gets some kind of an accolade or some kind of praise for, or some kind of acknowledgement for what they do. And all of a sudden, they think about, wait a minute, I'm not getting valued. Uh, and we begin to, to, to envy or to become jealous of someone else. Uh, we begin to, to, to feel a, a little bit of a separation, a distance from them. Some strife begins to exist. The Bible says that, that envy will cause strife to exist. You know, these two things, jealousy and envy. Jealousy mostly usually has to do with people. Envy usually has to do with things. They always lead to strife. And strife is going to bring division. Strife is going to bring division in a, in a church, or strife is going to bring division in a, in a marriage. Strife will bring division between, in a family, between parents and between children, in a community. My goodness, we certainly see that in our world today. And it can even cause us to have a division, to want to pull back and isolate from God. So I want to say today that, that it brings us to that place of saying, I want what they have. I, I, I want what they have. I, I don't want what I want. We were like little children. that We have a very special toy and we see somebody else with a, a better toy and we want what they have. We want their blessing. So instead of rejoicing with them, we want it for ourselves. And then there's sometimes we go so far as to say, well, if I can't have it, I don't want them to have it at all. You know, even pastors, um, pastors do this. I remember years ago being at a, a, a conference up at Gateway Church, fantastic church, great pastor, great leadership, impacting our lives, the world over. They're just, they're just amazing. I love them. But I was sitting in this conference and all of a sudden, they were getting ready to do this special presentation. As they were getting ready to do this special presentation, um, all of a sudden, all of their tech broke down. Their big, screen, um, their big screens failed, their sound failed, the lights failed. And, and just for a moment in my heart, I went, oh man, that is good to see. Because compared to some of the things that we have wrong, go wrong and some of the failures that we have, it's nice to know that it happens to somebody else. Before that thought was allowed to linger very long, though, I felt the Holy Spirit say, really, is that really what you feel? Is that really what you think? And God began to point out to me that what was going on was not an issue of, not an issue of, of their church and our church. It was an issue of my heart. You see, comparison is always a heart issue. Comparison's always an issue where we're, we're pointing. We might be looking at somebody, but we're pointing to God and saying, God, you're not fair. God, you're not good. God, you've messed up when it comes to me. How many of us have had that thought? The enemy comes in and says, there's something wrong with you. And we buy in. We believe this lie. I'm telling you, that is not the truth. That's not the truth. And can I tell you that if we stay in this place, 
it will show, it, it will manifest about how distorted and how limited our view of our great God really is. So we see the, the comparison really is a very dangerous, a very harmful thing in our lives. And that being true then, what, what's the prescription for comparison? I want, I want to give us a few things here this morning that I think will be able to help us be overcomers to the challenge of comparison. Psalm chapter 34 uh, says this. It says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I think this is one of the keys. Let's constantly be people who are magnifying the Lord. You know, when you magnify something, you make it bigger, right? You're, you're, making, you're looking at it through that magnifying glass and it becomes bigger. And so instead of looking at people, instead of looking at circumstances and situation and other people's abilities and gifts and all those type of things, let's keep our eyes on God. Let's always magnify God. What we magnify is going to get bigger. And, and as it gets bigger, then, then it's going to be easier to focus on. And can I say, what we focus on will control our life. If we're focusing on people, if we're focusing on stuff, if we're focusing on ourselves, then that's what's going to get bigger in our life. But if we focus on God, if we magnify the God, then he's going to be the one that's bigger in our life. You know, Romans chapter 1 says this about people... Uh, and, and Romans is a Romans one's a tough chapter. Uh, it really comes down hard on on how people live, and it's not just the people that don't know God; it's also the people that know God. Starting in verse twenty one, it says, "Because although they knew God, so these are people that knew God that made this mistake." It said they did not glorify Him or magnify Him as God, nor were they thankful but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts. Their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Hey folks, let me tell you, sin is always trying to make a fool of each and every one of us. It's trying to show how quickly we can get our eyes off of God, focus on other things and go um, and, and be led astray. But it says, but these people in their foolishness, they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image like corruptible man. And they focused on the birds and the four-footed animals and the creeping things. They took their eyes off of the living God, the creator of all things. And through, I believe, through demonic influence, they began to focus on the creation instead of the creator. That's not going to be us, folks. That's not going to be who we are. We're going to be people who refuse to allow envy and jealousy and strife and division and the works of the enemy in our lives. We're going to be people who say no to all those things, no to comparison, and we're going to magnify, we're going to glorify, we're going to focus on, and we're going to worship God for who he is and for everything that he's made us to be. And that's the second thing. Thank God for who you are. The Bible says that we are specifically, wonderfully, uniquely created, designed, and informed and fashioned by God. I like the verse that says that we are a masterpiece of his own making. Every one of us individually, God has specific, uh, specific purposes, specific gifts and abilities that he's given us. So instead of looking at what I don't have uh, and looking at, at, at everybody else, Let's look at God and thank him for what we do have. 
Uh, I think we can all recognize, and hopefully we recognize, that nobody gets it all. Nobody gets the whole package. Everybody lacks in some area. Everybody, uh, you know, I'm thankful there are gifted, talented people. There are are great, skilled people, but nobody gets the whole package. Everybody has faults. Everybody has limitations. Everybody has shortcomings. And, but we still, we need each other. What I lack, I, I need somebody else to make up in my life. What somebody else lacks, they need me to make up, uh, to make up in their life. You know, that's, that's how Jesus created the body to work together. And I want to tell you today, you are needed. There's nobody better at being you than you. Nobody compares to you. That's great news today, isn't it? So we're not going to compare ourselves with others. Uh, We're not going to compare ourselves even with ourselves. Over in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, said that there were some people that that they were living so foolishly that their level of, of comparison was comparing themselves with each other and with themselves. Well, that's not going to be us. We're not going to let other people be the reference point for our lives. We're not going to give that kind of control to other people. You see, comparison, when we, when we look at other people, when we focus on other people, then comparison opens the, door, opens the door for the theft of joy. Man, when we start looking at other things and start devaluing what God's done in us and how he's created us, then we're going to see joy going right out the door. And like we said a couple of weeks ago, the joy of the Lord is our strength. So instead of doing that, instead of wanting what other people want, we're going to rejoice with how God made them. Thank you, God, for how you created those people. You know, I, I think the body of Christ really does an amazing job. When, uh, when people are, the Bible says, weep with those that weep and rejoice with those that rejoice. I think we do a fantastic job when it comes to weeping with people who weep. When people are hurting, when, when sad things and bad things, when dark things are taking place, man, the body of Christ is unlike anything in the world. The church is amazing. We rally, we respond, we help, we give, we share. We're there, and, and, and I just want to pat everybody on the back for doing that. But I wonder how we are about rejoicing with those that rejoice. Somebody else gets blessed Somebody else gets, uh, gets the promotion. Somebody else gets, uh, gets the husband. Somebody else or the wife or somebody else gets something good. Do we rejoice with them? Can I tell you, we should be the first people to rejoice with them. Yay, God blessed you. Well, I know this. If God can bless you, God can bless me. You know, sometimes I believe that not wanting somebody else to be blessed could be stopping God from blessing us. So let's rejoice with those that rejoice. We'll find out that not being able to rejoice with people who are rejoicing, it really doesn't say something about them. It says something about us. We're going to be people who choose to rejoice. We're going to give thanks thanks to God. We're going to celebrate all that God does in us, in others, all that he does in us and through us. So remember, I'm going to say it again, you are the best that there's ever the best you that there's ever going to be nobody can p- compare with you and the final thing i just want to encourage us is let's always trust god's word the most effective weapon against comparison is the word of god as we read it as we study as we learn the word of god as we hide the truth of god's word in our hearts we're going to find out how great god is 
We're, we're going we're to be reminded of how amazing he is and, and how faithful and how true and how that we can trust his plan for our lives. We're, we're going to be able to do that as we look into the word of God. We're going to learn through the word and we're going to be able to then experience for ourselves the trustworthy faithfulness of God, the goodness of God right here in the land of the living. We're going to learn that God always has our best in mind. We can trust his timing. We can trust his plan. We can trust his design for each and every one of our lives. At every point in place, every season and circumstance, we can trust God. We never have to compare. He is a great God. And listen, just to wrap this up, you know what? I talked about Peter earlier. I, I believe Peter overcame comparison. In, a, in the Bible, it says in 2 Peter chapter 1 that, that Peter was writing to the church and, and he was saying to them, he said this, he said, listen, I know that shortly I must put off my tent just as Jesus Christ showed me. He, he wasn't comparing, he wasn't denying, he was overcoming comparison. And he was saying, I trust God's plan for my life. You know what, folks? That's exactly what you and I can do. We can trust God. We never have to compare. We can be overcomers and walk in victory in Jesus. So let's pray this morning. Father, I thank you so much. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the, the wisdom of your word and, your, and the counsel of your spirit. Thank you today, God. We repent for any place of comparison of any envy or jealousy or any type of strife or division that's ever existed in our lives. And if anybody is dealing with this today, God, we ask that you would set them free, break every stronghold, every bondage, bring deliverance, victory, and freedom in their lives now in Jesus' name.